I'm Damian Bolwa, Managing Editor of the San Francisco Chronicle. Today on Fifth and Mission, a big election at BART as challenges mount for the region's backbone train system. Our lead transportation reporter, Rachel Swan, is here to talk about how, despite financial crises at BART that are brought on by the pandemic, the election for key board seats may be decided by another issue that has long haunted the agency. That's police reform. Rachel, how are you? Good. Good to be back, Damien. Yeah, thanks for coming on again. I want to ask you about BART, which I know everyone's fascinated with, even though a lot of us haven't been writing it as we usually do. And also later, I want to ask you about uh, your reporting on Vallejo, where there's a lot of uh, controversy around the police department as well. So, Rachel, can you bring us up to speed on what's going on at BART? I mean, huge kind of financial cataclysm there, right? And a lot of questions about the future. Yeah, BART is set to lose um, up to a billion dollars over the next three years. BART is in big trouble. Service has been about cut in half, and there's still only about 10% of the uh, their normal number of riders riding the trains regularly. So the trains are almost empty. So, wow. yeah, obviously big questions about how much people are even going to return to those trains in the next, say, six months or a year. Um, and, and how is what is BART doing to sort of shore up those finances? Uh, begging the government for money, the federal government, um, which, you know, yeah, a lot's going to depend on what happens in November uh, BART is, is at the whims right now of a federal government that seems to have reached an impasse on stimulus funding. So BART's, BART's in a really tough place. Okay. All right. Now, despite that, we've got, all the, we've got these board seats coming up, an election, and obviously it's going to be overshadowed some by, by the, uh, the presidential election, as you mentioned. But but like in some other places, uh, policing has become a pretty big issue. Um, h- how has that sort of taken over the, the conversation at BART? I know it's it's kind of a long time coming. Obviously, it has to do with George Floyd as well. It's really interesting, Damien, because, you know, I mean, one might think that the dominant conversation at BART right now should be like, how do we live within our means or you know, like straight survival. Yeah, straight survival. Exactly. And, and you know, how do we bring these riders back? Um, but really what's taking up all the oxygen is this kind of ongoing debate over how should BART deploy its police officers, you know, and a lot of that has to do. I mean, this is happening not just at BART, but in city council races, in national race, in all sorts of like down ballot races everywhere, you know, so it's not just BART, but BART has this really peculiar history, you know, it's still haunted by the 2009 shooting of Oscar Grant, that was sort of like the Rodney King event of its time, you know, it was it was really the first of these um, viral videos that really captured the public's imagination. Um, So like, Bart, it, it Bart in a way will never live that down, you know, and it's kind of like we had the 10 year anniversary of that last year. 
and um, BART is still, in a sense, trying to reform itself, atone for that shooting. And it's really struggled. I mean, it's really struggled over the year. And so with this national reckoning over, you know, George Floyd, I mean, this has come back to haunt BART in a big way. The other thing that's happening at BART is that, and, and this is, again, like an unusual thing in BART's history, BART has what appears to be a majority progressive board, like a lot of really, really outspoken um, uh, people who are kind of known as personalities outside of BART are now on the board of BART and they're bringing like a real progressive agenda to BART. So this issue of policing has just really captured an agency that's that its primary mission is to just move people around. Yeah. And and at the same time, there have been some really high profile uh, robberies and killings on BART and and some crime stats that aren't aren't great as well. Historically, um, you know, it, it is still a, a, a relatively safe system, but the numbers have gone up some and worried people, um, you know, and they, so they face these dual pressures, right? Right, of, exactly. Of on one hand, um, dealing with police reform that's been ongoing for years, and then also keeping people safe because some people don't ride the system because they don't, they don't feel that way. Right. And um, I mean, one interesting thing is, I mean, I look at the arrest reports every day on BART just as a you know, partly as a reporter, but also as a curious citizen. Um, And, you know, if anything, it it seems like the police are arresting more people. I mean, that doesn't necessarily mean crime has gone up. You know, a lot of these are like warrant arrests. But I mean, just because there are a lot fewer people on BART does not mean that there is no crime on BART. In fact, you know, in all my discussions with the police union, it appears crime is very much steady at BART. Yeah. Wow. Now, before we get to some of the actual candidates, you know, I know you deal with this a lot, but it feels like the very shape of the system is kind of controlling a lot of these issues. On one hand, you have um, BART board members who represent very distinct constituencies because they're from all these far-flung areas in the urban core and out in the burbs uh, of the system. And sort of similarly, BART is a weird police agency that doesn't cover, you know, one city, but it covers like trains that are moving through the Bay area. Yes. Yes. This is always, I mean, Bart is this like weird sprawling animal. I mean, first of all, like some people think it's very weird that Bart is elected in the first place, you know? So it's like kind of resulted over time. Like, I guess it used to be this kind of seat that people held for a number of years. That was just, you know, like being on a commission that, it was like something that people liked to, you know, it boosted yeah, their profile. Yeah, pretty non-political. Yeah, but it's become this thing where it's like actually very political. And there's like this huge schism between kind of the suburban sect on the board and the urban sect on the board. And it kind of plays out in all these issues, you know, like people who live in the suburbs, you know, um, need parking, you know, but people who are kind of represent the more urban mindset, they want housing in the parking lots, you know, so there's all these issues that kind of represent the urban suburban divide on BART and policing is policing is one of them, you know, I mean, a lot of that, and that's not really surprising, like a lot of suburban writers, you know, I mean, maybe you think of it as like, suburban mentality, you know, people with more of a suburban mentality don't want to be bothered with all the um, 
homelessness and other issues that are that have kind of traditionally have been welling up on BART. But I mean, the other thing is like people in the suburbs, frankly, just they're they're on BART. If they're commuting, they're on BART for longer periods of time, you know, so they may have a reason to be more concerned with crime and quality of life issues that pop up on BART, you know? Yeah. Important to you, all of the stories you've written, you, you know, I think sometimes we tend to get polarized into pro or, or anti-police and, and think of things in the wrong lens. But but what's being debated there isn't necessarily, you know, abolish the police or have more police officers. Sometimes it's more nuanced, right? Yeah, yeah. It's kind of where I was actually surprised that there are some people who want to um, who who do want to abolish BART police altogether. But that's definitely the minority. I mean, and that's 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 realistically not going to happen. I mean, really, within BART, the debate is um, under the previous general manager, um, Grace Krunikin, she really pushed to have more police officers at BART. Um, the progressive members of the board have been pushing for BART to um, take some of its police budget and instead hire unarmed ambassadors who would perform some of the duties of police officers. It's very similar to what we're seeing in cities. You know, it's like this idea of like, you know, we don't necessarily need someone with a gun and a badge to handle uh homeless people who are maybe not actually committing a crime but sleeping on the train or something you know like like yeah, or may need help. Using draw yeah nonviolent crimes like that that kind of thing um for whatever reason this has been over the years hugely controversial at bart the previous manager did not like the idea and the previous police chief did not like the idea of unarmed ambassadors they there was they were really pushing to hire more police officers now i mean there's a new general manager there's a new police chief there's a progressive majority on the board and there's really a push to stop hiring police officers and instead hire unarmed ambassadors but even within like the progressive people on the board that's really sensitive like they they're very like specific about saying we're not actually defunding the police we're just hiring more unarmed safety people you know so it's just this really toxic sensitive issue so let's take a quick break rachel when we come back i want to ask you about the particular board races at bart and a little bit about the vallejo police department as well we'll be right back you can support Fifth and Mission and the newsroom that creates it by signing up for unlimited Chronicle access at sfchronicle.com slash pod. Welcome back to Fifth and Mission. I'm Damian Bulwa, joined by transportation reporter Rachel Swan. Rachel, tell us a little bit about some of the particular board races at BART and the, uh, the more interesting ones, the, mo- the more competitive ones. Who's, who's up for re-election? Well, I think the most interesting one is um, <clears throat> board president Latifa Simon, who I guess you could say she represent represents one poll on the board. Um, I mean, she is like in other aspects of her life. She has long been an activist. She is a um, what you might even call a disciple of Kamala Harris. You know, so she's kind of like a big political figure in her own right. And she's heading up this like police reform task force for Gavin Newsom. So she's like a big police reformer person who has totally clashed with the police union and they are now running a candidate against her. Um, The candidate is a woman named Sharon Kidd, 
who was on the BART's uh, Citizen Police Review Board until Latifah Simon did not reappoint her. So they already have some kind of, um, I wouldn't say bad blood, but a little bit of uh, tension between them. Um, so, I mean, this is someone who, like, Latifah Simon is very high profile. Sharon Kidd is not. However, she's, if, if she is the police union candidate, so to speak, um, she is going to have a lot of money and resources and backing from them. They are a powerful union. They have run candidates before. They have successfully run candidates before. So that is going to be a very interesting race. Um, also, Central Contra Costa is going to be an interesting race. The other very polarizing figure at BART is a board director named Deborah Allen, um, who is, I would say, she's sensitive about this, but I would say she is more of the conservative voice on the board. She's more of the dissenting voice on the board. She's She advocates for things like, you know, like, hey, hey let's, let's think about laying off workers. Let's cut the budget. You know, let's do, do this and that. You know, she's more, and she's definitely on the side of let's hire more police officers. Um, so, and she has frequently clashed with the progressives in ways that often are just like really explosive. She's clashed with um, Oscar Grant's family. Um, so the progressives basically have all kind of coalesced behind uh, a, a candidate who is running against her, who kind of represents more of, I guess you would say the, the urban values. Yeah, gotcha. And you you also write before we move on that, that John McPartland is is up for re-election, but he ha- has had some explaining to do after praising Robert E. Lee recently. Oh boy. Yeah. He um yeah. So he he is someone who's been on the board for a very long time. Um I would say he's almost like old school Bart. You know, um, and he recently in he's also got separate from Bart. He's got a, he was, I believe he's like, uh, served in the armed forces and, you know, had a military career. So in June, he came out during a meeting and delivered a rather rambling soliloquy about people who were toppling Confederate statues. He praised Robert E. Lee as an exemplary general. Um, he has since apologized. He has said he didn't realize that he la- later looked at the history of Robert E. Lee and didn't realize that Robert E. Lee was, you know, a slave owner and this and that. But it's come to ha- it's come to haunt him. Um, you know, he has had to apologize to a lot of people, and he may have a tough bid for re-election. And he's running against someone again, another um, progressive person who happens to be living in the suburbs, who's younger, more of a transit engineer type, more of a transit activist type, who, from my understanding, from, from talking to this person, his name is Stephen Dunbar, he's like just avoiding the Robert E. Lee conversation altogether and just saying, hey, I'm running as a regular pro-transit guy. And, you know, given all of John McPartland's dif- difficulties, this may be an effective tactic. So he may face a tough race. Rachel, let's transition briefly over to Vallejo. Big police issues there. The department is is in controversy over police shootings, um, over use of force cases, particularly a recent uh, shooting of a man uh, outside of Walgreens, Sean Monterosa. But 
you've been you wrote a couple of stories recently about um, allegations that officers there were bending their badges after they killed someone. It was first reported by Open Vallejo, which is a new news site out there. Um, what is going on with that? How have these allegations come up? So the badge bending allegations came to light um, last year. The person who brought them forward was Captain John Whitney, who was fired from the force in August. He says this was an act of retaliation because he was complaining. Um, you know, we're still learning a lot about this. Um, but they came to they um, surfaced just recently because of the reporting by Open Vallejo. All right. And so the the reporting that we have now from John Whitney is that that they were bending sort of the tips of these seven star badges. Right. And um, and, and that John Whitney had had learned about it. And he'd actually he actually said he had uh, complained to a number of people, including the former chief at the time, Andrew Badu, as you've reported. Um, but this this has now brought up an investigation now, but you write that it's possible that these officers might not be able to be disciplined. Right. That's because there is a um, state police officers bill of rights for disciplining police officers, and it includes a statute of limitations. So um, officers, if they are going to be disciplined, they have to be disciplined within a year of the time that a person of you know, appropriate authority became aware of their uh, alleged wrongdoing or alleged misconduct. Um, and a, according to our timeline, that year has passed, you know. Yeah, because he, he says he first uh, learned of it in April 2019 and ran it up, up the chain of command. He was number two in the department. Um, and And now... Um, the chief is saying he's going to investigate it. When when you took the the idea of the one year statute of limitations running out to the chief, what did he say? So so basically, what the police chief said, and this is me quoting from memory, is that there is no statute of limitations on morality, um, implying that there are other reasons to pursue an investigation besides discipline. He could be trying to rebuild trust with the public. He could be trying to improve the image of the police department. It could be for training. It could be for police accountability. It could be for transparency. He is going to, regardless of any statute of limitations in the California law, keep pursuing this investigation. All right, Rachel, let's leave it there. Thanks for coming on again. We appreciate it. Thank you so much, Damien. Thanks to my guest today, Chronicle reporter Rachel Swan, to King Kaufman for producing this episode, and thank you for listening.